Hello, Pixel Peeps. Welcome to Images Everything with your host, the Pixel Pimp himself, Rav Holly. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Images Everything. I am your host, Rav Holly. Uh, great to have you with us here on episode nine. Wow, episode nine. Uh, man, it's been so crazy. Uh, I can't believe it's already episode nine. It's so crazy that last episode, episode eight, if you heard episode eight, I was actually referring to episode eight as episode seven. That's how uh, confused I've got with uh, doing the podcast here. It's went by so fast, but that's what they say, you know, when you're having fun, time flies when you're having fun. So I guess that's uh, what I can chalk that up to. So I wanted to apologize if you listened to the last episode and uh, you heard me talking about and referring to it being uh, episode seven when it was actually episode eight. Episode eight. Uh, Next on the venue, I got to apologize because... Gosh, this is Sunday that I'm uh, doing the podcast here, and uh, if you follow the show, you know we're supposed to upload a new episode every Thursday by 3 p.m., but unfortunately, I'm running way behind schedule, and reason being is I've been so busy uh, working doing photography, which is what my main uh, breadwinner is, that I have not been able to get the podcast up and running. I'm also doing some work on the podcast, getting some uh, some new drops and intros and uh, the outro actually done. So I was hoping to have that done so I could use it for the for this episode. But unfortunately, uh, we didn't quite get that done. So maybe next week uh, tune in and uh, hopefully we'll have some new stuff for you guys to uh, hear that's making the podcast sound a little bit more for a little bit more professional. Again, I apologize. Uh, we're running late this week, but man, I have been so warmed and I'm not going to complain about that because uh, anytime I'm uh, making money doing photography, hey, it's a good month. And uh, I have to say that this has been a really good month. So uh, if every month was like this, man, I would be, uh, I would really be uh, excited uh just to be making money doing photography, which is what I love to do. Uh, so it's a big bonus, you know, when you can make money doing what you love. What is the old saying? Uh, find something you love to do for a living and you'll never have to work a day in your life. Well, that kind of chalks it up for me because, uh, you know, I love doing what I do and that's why I do it. And uh, I know a lot of you listening that's what you're uh, aspiring to do. Maybe you're still employed at your full-time nine to five and you're dreaming of uh, getting to that point where you can break free from the office and uh, pursue your love of photography and uh, making a living doing what you want to do. And that's where I am. And, um, you know, like anybody else, I'm human. So, you know, I, I uh, sometimes don't stop and, uh, and, and, just be thankful enough that I can do what I want to do. That photography has basically given me a life of freedom to this point. You know, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, 
but for the last several years, it's really, uh, well, I would say the last three to four years for sure. Uh, you know, it's, it's a been, no, uh, it's been a crazy ride. It's ups and downs. You know, there's times when, uh, you know, I've made a lot of money. There's times when I haven't made a lot of money. So what I learned to do with that, you know, 2012 was a year for me that was a, my banner year as far as money concerned was concerned I made a really good living in 2012 and I did a lot of stuff and and uh, I spent money as fast as I made it unfortunately uh, because I felt like that was never going to dry up uh, and unfortunately that pond did dry up some so um, 2013 and 2014 were as uh, non-banner years as 2012 was a banner year so during uh, my heyday of 2012, I really splurged on a lot of things. I tried to open a, an office and a gallery. I didn't try, I actually did. I sunk a bunch of money into an office and a gallery and getting that, uh, that you know, getting it ready and aesthetically pleasing for people to come in. I spent a lot of money on that. Um, and if I had it to do all over again, I would have not done that. So, you know, one piece of advice I can give you is uh, don't try to grow too fast. That's always been my biggest mistake uh, in business. And uh, I've had a few businesses. This is not the first one. And uh, anytime things really take a turn for the upswing, I get too excited about it. And I really venture out there and spend a lot of money trying to grow it too fast. So, uh, you know, after 2013, 2014, um, at the end, I decided to, to just do some reevaluation and uh, take a step back. And that's why I ended up closing my studio in Long Beach, which I was very attached to my studio. I mean, it felt to me like, um, I don't know, it, it was a weird thing that I had back in 20, God, 2008, I guess, when I really started looking and aspiring to open a studio. Uh, in Long Beach, I was really looking at the fact that I felt like that kind of legitimized you, that if you uh, were a photographer and you were actually maintaining and running a studio. So uh, I had moved into a live-work loft that was an industrial two-story loft. It was 1,200 square feet. It was a very cool loft. But it just, it really wasn't big enough because it was split. It was about 800 square feet downstairs, I guess, and maybe whatever upstairs but it just really wasn't ideal for photography it just wasn't large enough so I then moved into a like a 1400 or 1600 square foot building uh, that was actually pretty well it worked pretty well for photography because it had two sides of it it had one side that had two large windows for natural light and then it had a back part of it that was all closed off so that worked perfect for like uh, artificial light and off-camera light for uh, studio lighting and uh, it worked pretty good but then that thing kind of came to an end so I found a bigger building that was 2200 square feet and uh, really thought that was going to be the perfect uh, spot for me and it just ended up being not the perfect spot it was a decent sized building but it just uh, aesthetically had a lot of problems it was in an alley and uh, there was another attached building to it so there's people always parking in my parking places and and um, but it was a big garage 
uh, warehouse type space with three garage doors. So I had two motorcycles at the time. I could park indoors. I could park my truck and my classic Mustang all inside. So uh, it had, you know, garage door openers. And so it was very nice just to come back and open the garage and pull into a big building. And then I still had a whole part of that building for my studio. And um, it was nice to always have my lighting set up and and uh, so there was a lot of things, a lot of benefits to it, but then there was a lot of drawbacks to it. But I couldn't really see as many drawbacks when I was immersed in it. And that's kind of the way that happens sometimes. You got to kind of have to take that step back. And uh, once I took that step back and looked at it, I realized it wasn't as aesthetically pleasing as I thought it it was. And uh, so that's kind of why I closed it down. So anyway... Um, I've been working on getting some guests on the show, trying to get some uh, uh, Skype recorders so I can have some guests call in and record the calls and haven't had a whole luck with that, a whole lot of luck with that. So if you have any recommendations or anything, please let me know because uh, I uh, went through and, and upgraded my Skype and downloaded this program to do call recorder and um, it's just got all kinds of noise and interference in it. So I really haven't had anybody call in yet to, to test it, but the little testing that I do, it just doesn't sound too good. So working on that. But anyway, uh, welcome to the show. If this is the first time you're joining us, uh, thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoy the show. Uh, this is a photography talk show. It is not a photography tech show. So if you're looking for all tech information, this probably isn't the right show for you. We're just having fun here and uh, enjoying enjoying uh, what we all love to do, and that is capture photos. So if you uh, like uh, photography mayhem, you might be at the right place. So Anyway, those are some of the things uh, I'm talking about on this week's episode. So if you're ready to do this, let's do it. Our goal is not the victory of might, but the vindication of right. Let's go. everything so uh actually since i completely missed uh, the intro and all the topics i'm going to run through them really quick what we're gonna hopefully i can get to all five but uh may not be able to but uh this is what we're gonna have on the show this week um 
episode nine here. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, Folio HD, who is the company that actually hosts my website and uh, what I think of them. They've just done some upgrades to uh, the format and uh, the interface of the website. So I thought I'd run through that with you really quick and uh, why I use them. Hopefully they'll be a sponsor of the back podcast someday. But even if they're not, I'm still going to continue to use them and I'm going to tell you why. Number two on this week, hopefully, hopefully I can get all to all of these, but if not, uh, we'll spread it out to next week. But uh, number two, uh, I got some mail regarding <coughs> shooting raw versus JPEG. So I just basically wanted to touch base on that, uh, you know, and uh, tell you uh, or, you know, kind of go over it since I uh, got some. That was a pretty controversial show. Uh, I guess there's a lot of people out there that doesn't agree with me, and that's fine. I uh, never ask you to agree. I just was giving my input on what I think. So, But I thought I would uh, touch base on it a little bit more. And then episode eight, uh, I got an email asking, what did Jung and I do to uh, battle uh, or com- to compensate for shooting a wedding in the dark? Uh, basically, they the email stated that I, uh, you know, that they listened to the show uh, to uh, find out what you would do if you were faced with uh, shooting a wedding in the dark. And I really didn't go into any detail. I just basically said that we shot a wedding in the dark. So they were asking exactly what do you do in that scenario. So I'm going to go over it a little bit and see if I can answer those questions. Um, <clears throat> third uh, on the list is uh, a very well-known L.A. photographer named Arthur St. John. I've been following his work now for probably about five years. He just worked a couple of months ago with a model that I personally know and have worked with named uh, L- Laura Cavender. And uh, she's actually goes by DJ LC now. She's actually a DJ. She's moved from modeling into the DJ world uh, several years ago. And, uh, but she did a shoot with, uh, Arthur St. John, I guess, for some promotional stuff for her a few months ago. And so Arthur and I kind of connected and we've been talking a little bit on, um, on Facebook and, uh, he's, uh, interacted some in the photo junkie, uh, photo group on Facebook. And, uh, he just does some amazing on location glamour work, a lot of beat shots and stuff and does really great work. And I was very, uh, distraught or not. I wasn't so much distraught, but I've been there and I've done know how he felt. Cause I saw his, uh, he had a post the other day that, uh, it was a couple of days ago that he, um, had come out in the morning to leave and his car had been broken into and all of his gear was gone. So we're going to touch base on that a little bit and please don't leave your gear in the car. Uh, I've, you know, I've, I've had, I've lost gear myself. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, number four on the list is Facebook fan pages. Do they really work? Are they useless? What do I think about them? And I'm going to give you my insight on what I think. Um, and, Photos you like, number five on the list is photos you like versus what your client likes. I saw something the other day in a group and uh, it's kind of, it's actually a, um, a it's a, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a, um, I'm not going to say a theme for the group, but it's a reoccurring, uh, it's a recurring occurrence in this group that I, that I see quite a bit and this uh, it's a cc group on facebook and it's a very large cc group that i've talked about in a couple of the other episodes called ask my photographers and i see the same thing occurring 
being asked by different photographers in there. And uh, you have a lot, like I've said before, you have a lot of photographers in there that are doing family portraits and doing baby portraiture and a lot of stuff like that. So um, anyway, there's a, you know, there's, there was something that was asked the other day and something that I asked and uh, it was just kind of blown off. So I thought I would uh, go into that. Uh, And basically it is, you know, the pictures that you like, the photos that you like versus what your client likes. So that's going to be on the topic is that's going to be on the show uh, as well. So uh, let's get started here and uh, we'll start off with the first order of business, which is Folio HD and the site that hosts my website. And I literally cannot say enough nice things about Folio HD. Uh, as far as websites, as far as photography websites, I've had a website now for over 10 years, uh, for my photography. The uh, very first website that I had was probably 2003, I think. Uh, and I, uh, maybe 2002, 2002, 2003, somewhere in there, I, uh, built my own first photography website myself. I coded it all HTML, did the whole, the whole thing myself. And, uh, it was a very nice website and I had probably one of the nicer websites of any photographer on the web back then. The only problem with my website at that time was it was basically just an HTML website. Excuse me. So there wasn't, there wasn't any good uh, gallery platforms back in those days. So basically I put several, you know, I had your website looked more like a business card. Uh, there wasn't a lot of place to put a portfolio. Basically what I did is I put a lot of small, uh, very small images on one page, which was basically thumbnails that, that went directly through to the larger image. So that if anybody knows anything about uh, manual HTML that they, you know what a mess that was, but that was pretty much the only alternative we had back in those days. Cause there was no CSS or cascading style sheets, or there was no PHP, you know, so you didn't get any of this automated stuff that we have nowadays. And, uh, but, but it was, a, it was a very well-designed website. It was red and black and, and I did all the graphics. I did a hundred percent of it. So I was actually very, very proud of it. Um, <clears throat> to say the least. I mean, it was, it was, uh, for its time, it was very well done and it wasn't hokey. I mean, it would look hokey today, but back then, you know, it was very, uh, people were very impressed with it when they saw it. And when I was out and about and I gave out my business cards, which at that time, my business cards 100% matched my website. Basically my business card was the very front uh, intro page of my website. So it was a pretty cool little website and I was proud of it. But, uh, you know, it served its purpose for its time. But then a few years later, I went to a WordPress website and um, I designed that thing myself as well. Basically, when uh, WordPress got really popular, uh, yeah, I, I I delved into that to some extent. And I was very impressed with it to begin with, but then... um, you know, I actually went through the whole process of designing it and taking their WordPress template and uh, re-coding re it to fit exactly what I wanted my site to be. And uh, I integrated uh, a whole flash gallery into it, and it was pretty cool. But the the 
<clears throat> the one thing that didn't work very well was the uh, navigation. And if you know uh, anything about website or website design, that's the most imp- one of the most it is the most important thing other than maybe the looks and aesthetics is I guess, you know, web developer would tell you the most important thing is the navigation and going from the gallery back home to the home page from the uh, flash template gallery. There was there was some problems there. So uh, it didn't it didn't work perfectly. It was very it looked very nice aesthetically. The you know, the opening page, the intro page, it looked uh, the splash page, I guess is what the technical name for the first page is. It looked very nice, uh, but it just the navigation was a little hokey and you could get lost in the site and that's not what you want. But um, I, I used that site for about four years and it worked. But then uh, I guess, <clears throat> excuse me, I was really hooked on the flash because that was all of the, uh, you know, that was the the new thing supposedly that was going to really, uh, you know, take off and was the next new big thing. So I was really hooked on the flash. And um, I guess in 2008, 2008, yeah, probably 2007, 2008, I found um, a new company out there that was called photobiz.com, photobiz.com, photobiz.net, something like that, and uh, it was basically a gallery hosting site, and I think it was $15 a month, or I I can't remember exactly how much it was, but I basically decided to... uh, let my uh, WordPress site go and go with this website because it was more of a cascading style sheet and it was an update on the flight type of thing. And then that was the other thing about my WordPress site is it was an absolutely pain in the butt to update. I mean, I went with WordPress because I'd heard how easy it was. I mean, it was like a blog and you could just update it on the fly and blah, 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 blah. But it was an absolute pain in the butt to update. And there's so many bells and whistles and so many things in the WordPress. I'm, I, I, I'm not a great big fan of the WordPress. Um, and I've worked with a lot of different website platforms and I know a lot of people out there that makes it work for them. And I say more power to you, uh, I see a lot of brilliant websites done on WordPress, but uh, I could I could do the initial design, but going in and uh, re-updating was very tedious to me. So, um, just was wasn't my wasn't my cup of tea with WordPress. So that's why I found or when I found the PhotoBiz, I really thought uh, I'd found uh, exactly what I wanted. And I figured I would be with them for a long time to come. So I signed up with PhotoBiz. <clears throat> the one thing I did like about their site is they have, they have like a, it's a, it's all done in Flash, but they have a gallery, so uh, you can do a full size image of your photos. And uh, basically, that's what I did. And uh, I used PhotoBiz for, guys, probably another four years, three or four years, and uh, it just. They just never really kept updating stuff. I mean, they had a lot of stuff in there, but when it was, I don't know, it was maybe $20. I can't remember exactly what I paid for PhotoBiz, but, and it was all flash. And uh, when the smartphones came out, it just didn't integrate well with your smartphone uh, because it was flash. So uh, to send somebody to my website for PhotoBiz, if they had a Mac or I mean a, 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 an iPhone, 
which doesn't really do the flash, they can even see my website. So I guess about a year ago now, year, gosh, I can't remember how long I've been with uh, Folio HD. I was really deciding to look for something else. Oh, and that was the other thing is updating uh, with PhotoBiz. It was pretty simple. It was pretty much, um, it was, it was pretty straightforward, the updating, but it took a while. I mean, it just, it was a little painful. Uh, it was pretty easy. You know, it had the drag and drop stuff, but, uh, it just, it didn't, it did just didn't flow like it should. So I decided, uh, when I decided to get away from folio, I mean, with photo biz, uh, my whole main thing when I went out there to find another website platform was I wanted something that was easy as pie to update. I wasn't as worried about the design of the site. I wasn't as worried about the bells and whistles and the graphics and, and everything. I wanted something that was easy as pie to update. And at that, and by now there should be something out there that's a great platform that should be easy to update. So I looked and I looked and looked and I went through, uh, gosh, all of the web, the web platforms out there, uh, the, the Wix, I went from Wix to uh, a lot of people, a lot of, uh, photographers use, uh, God, what they're up in San Francisco. I can't think of the name of them. Uh, one of them is Zenfolio, uh, uh, smug, smug mug. A lot of people, a lot of photographers use Smug Mug. And I was really, Smug Mug was at the top of my uh, list. They were number one. Uh, Zenfolio was two. Um, sorry, I just hit the microphone. Hopefully you didn't hear that. Uh, uh, Zenfolio was two. And I like the price of Zenfolio better, but I like the platform of Smug Mug better. So that was uh, where I was there. I wanted Smug Mug to be priced where Zenfolio was. But I didn't really like the platform of Zenfolio. So I was kind of stuck there and I was almost going with Smug Mug, but they had just redone everything and they went up to like $300 a year or something like that. So I was holding out to see if I found something else. And this was when Squarespace, you'll, if any of you guys listen to the Joe Rogan podcast, you'll hear about Squarespace because they're one of his sponsors. And uh, I looked at Squarespace and looked at Squarespace and looked at Squarespace. And when I talk about that, I mean, I go through everything. Sometimes I would just sit there and look at their homepage for 10 minutes, you know, and then I would go through one trial site after another, their little test sites or other people's other uh, client sites to see what they had done with Squarespace. And I I signed up with their free, uh, you know, their free... 30 day trial or whatever it was so I could play around with it and see what I thought of it. And I like it a lot. I really do like Squarespace a lot. And now looking back on it, if I hadn't have found Zenfolio or FD, uh, FD folio, if I hadn't have found, uh, I'm sorry, folio HD, if I hadn't have found folio HD, I would have probably went with Squarespace. Uh, but there was, there's still a lot of work to Squarespace. I mean, moving stuff around and, and designing each page. And, but the thing I do love about Squarespace is, uh, with my, when I had my, um, when I had my WordPress site, 
it was, I went all out in the design. I mean, I had like the bird for Twitter and, you know, all the icons for the social media and it was very graphics heavy, which back in, uh, two, you know, 2006, whatever, whenever I did that, it was uh 2006, seven, eight. I don't know. Uh, whenever I put that site together, you know, that was the cool thing was to have all the graphics for everything. That was when the social media graphics were first coming out for your website. So you could put like the little bird for Twitter on your site. So I went all out on the graphics to make it, you know, to make it pop. <clears throat> Unfortunately, that died out. And uh, with us last a year ago with this last redesign or a relaunch of my website, I really wanted to go with something with a minimalist look. And, uh, what I found with Squarespace was some very, very well designed, just very simple black and white websites with just the links to the to the left and just the portfolios and, uh, no major bells and whistles on the front page, just very artistic, very gallery you know, very, like if you walk into a real gallery, uh, you know, a brick and mortar gallery, it's just white with the images on the wall. And that's kind of what I was looking at with my website. So I was really looking at Squarespace, but I had stumbled uh, up upon another photographer's website and I can't even remember his name now, but his, he's phenomenal. And, uh, I, I looked at his work and he had videos integrated into his website, uh, for the opener and it was just amazing. And, uh, so I really liked the way his site looked and it looked pretty simple and straightforward. So I did a little bit of digging and found out that, uh, his site was hosted by a company I'd never heard of. It was, well, I actually had heard of them and they'd sent me an email uh, offering me like a free portfolio and I get so much spam mail that I just kind of blew it off. But I remembered the name and then when I came in, came in on his site, I was like, oh yeah, they offered me a free portfolio. Well, they do still offer a free portfolio. So, you know, if you're just starting out and you don't have a website of any kind, you can put like, I think it's, I don't remember how many images, but maybe 30 images on there. They offer a free template a couple of free templates and you can actually build you a little free website and you'll just have the folio HD uh, name in your domain name. So what, you know, if your name is Rocky photography uh, or, or Rocky, whatever, it'd be Rocky folio HD.com would be your website for your photography. So uh, they offer you a free, you know, and it's always free. And uh, so I signed up with them and uh I had their free account for, gosh, I want to say maybe six months, four months. I don't know how long it was. I don't remember. But eventually, I I really liked what I saw. And by no means, don't think that I am telling you that Folio HD is perfect because it's not. It has some, you know, there's some a few design issues with like the contact me page. They just fixed it. It used to be like completely spread out, like there was, it was broke or something. Like you're waiting for it to load everything to come to the middle, but it wasn't like that. It was like part of it was on the right side, part of it was on the left side, and it just didn't look aesthetically very pleasing. So, <clears throat> and they've actually fixed that. It's still not perfect, but it's a lot better than it was. So you have that, um, the other thing that I use their full size template, 
So with their full size template, what you get is uh, full size images. And um, I found I don't know why this happens, but maybe it, it's not so it's not completely because it happens on all monitors. I've checked laptops, a 19 inch monitor and then my 27 inch iMac. It cuts the, the top of the images off on some of them. So you can't really there's no adjustment like, you know, like a Facebook, you know, which I love that. Like if you upload your uh, cover photo to Facebook and it's not positioned properly, you can reposition it in, in your, your icon or your avatar as well. And that's something that they really need to uh, integrate into Folio HD because I have a couple of images where like the girl's heads get cut off. So that's kind of annoying. But on a cell phone, it doesn't. Because <laughs> if you look at it in portrait, portrait, portrait uh, on the cell phone, uh, it's, I guess it's taller, so it doesn't. But anyway, those are some of the little, little bugs or the little things that, that bug me a little bit, but they don't bug me enough for me not to use the service because it's very economical. I think I pay $9 a month for 300 images, I think. And that's more more than enough. You don't even really need 300 images on a website because that's going to overwhelm anybody. So it's $9 a month. You can put as many images as you want to revolve. Basically, it has a, you know, when you go and your website opens up, it has a thing where it'll, it'll automatically, it's like a slideshow. And it'll change the images one after another. And you can add as many images up there as you want. And I've had 30 at one time. I'm trying to cut them down. I really don't think there should be maybe, but about, I don't think there should even be 20 up there after I really stop and think about it. But when I first opened up the site, I was just excited that you could make so many images revolve. So I put a whole bunch of images in there and I've been cutting them down and taking a bunch of them out. But, uh, you know, you can have, they revolve in the slideshow type form and then uh, you just have your galleries, you know, or you can name the link whatever you want to. You know, some people make it portfolio. I made it galleries because when you click on it, it shows like a square image. And some people would just think those are the pictures. So I, I put galleries so people will know that when you click the galleries, you click on any one of those boxes and those are the, the images are be in that gallery. So that was a little bit confusing, but it's so simple and it's so straightforward. But the thing I love about it the most, the thing I love about Folio HD the most is it is absolutely as simple as butter to update. I'm not kidding you. You can update your entire website within 10 minutes. It is that simple. I've never seen any other website that is as easy to update as Folio HD. It is so simple. It's so straightforward. It's so simple that anybody could use it. And it only takes you literally 10 minutes. If I do a photo shoot, if I sit down within 10 minutes, I can build a new gallery, uh, drop the images in there, upload it, and I'm done. I am absolutely done. And I'm telling you, I've had, uh, when I had my WordPress site to update my website was a daily thing. Literally, it could take me two or three to four hours to get everything right, uh, to get it loaded, to get a gallery up and then find out that something was wrong. It didn't work right. So you got to go through, try to figure out what's going on, what happened, why is the gallery corrupted or the code corrupted. And with this thing, it works like clockwork. And uh, 
Corey, um, who is, I guess he's one of the co-founders of Foley HD. He's my contact. He's my support. Uh, so they just did a revamp of Foley HD, did a whole bunch of uh, new, several new features. Um, you know, uh, one thing before, one thing I didn't like before was, uh, I mean, it wasn't that I didn't like it. I kind of liked it, but it was, a, it was very limiting and it, it is limiting. This, this site is limiting. Uh, if you want something that you can completely customize, they have an option now that you can do that to pay for it, but it's like $20 a month or something like that. Um, so, you know, like Squarespace, you can just literally do anything to that, you know, completely uh, put it and make it exactly the way you want it. With Folio HD, it's kind of just the platform and you use it the way it is. And before this update, uh, like two or three days ago, you only had three links on there. You had home, galleries, and contact. And that was it. So if you went to the galleries, you click the home button, went back. If you click the contact, you went in, it has a little bio for you and then your contact numbers and a contact email. And that was it. So now they've actually made it where you can add different links. You can actually add different pages. You can add a page and you can actually add a link. So I was able to add a link to the podcast. I was able to add a link to my YouTube channel and that stuff that's just happened. And again, people, it's $9 a freaking month. And it's so simple. It's amazing. I don't know why everybody in the world isn't, every photographer in the world isn't using it. I'm actually glad every photographer in the world doesn't use it because it's so amazing. I don't want everybody's website to look like mine. And most people aren't using it, but I, I'm telling you, I absolutely love it. And here's another thing. They just did the upgrades and with anything, I used to work in web design, so in, in web development, so I completely understand. It never goes as smoothly as you think it's going to, and there's always going to be bugs. There's always going to be problems. So I, when they sent me an email a, a week or so ago saying that they were going to be taking the sites down and transferring the databases to a new server and blah, 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 I knew there would probably be some issues. And sure enough, like a uh, Monday morning, I checked my website last week and it wasn't working. Uh, it was down and it was like seven o'clock in the morning. So I figured, you know, well, Corey, had, I figured they'd probably been up all night working, moving stuff and, you know, setting databases up and, you know, getting everything going. So I emailed Corey and within 10 minutes, I got a response. He's like, oh man, let me check. Let me see what's going on. Bam, 10 minutes, my website's up. There was an issue. Uh, I pay for the paid, the paid, uh, I, I pay the paid service. I'm a paid member. So if you're a free member, you have a link. If you use, just use their free portfolio, they put a link down on the bottom of your website that says, uh, would you like your own free portfolio? Uh, click here and uh, get your own free, free portfolio and folio HD. Well, I have the paid version, but I had that link on mine. So I sent another email to Corey and said, Hey, you know, I don't know what the deal is. Did you guys add this with the change? Cause I hope not. Cause that could be a deal breaker for me. Cause I don't want your advertisement on the front of my site, blah, blah, blah. He sent me a message back. I don't know what's going on. Or he goes, I don't know why that happened, but no, no, no. Uh, let me go in and fix that for you. He went in and fixed it. And that was the whole thing took 30 minutes of correspondence. So, 
you know, he, he's really on top of it. And, uh, you know, and Folio HD for him is like a side project because I guess he's a developer and he owns a couple of other companies and stuff. So, but I mean, he's really on top of it. It's a kind of a one man show, which I like. He's based here in Southern California. I think their office is in, I want to say Marina Del Rey or, or, um, I think it's Marina Del Rey or Player Del Rey or maybe Santa Monica. Maybe it's Santa Monica. I don't remember. He's told me before. I've talked to him on the phone, actually. So, um, you know, if you're looking for an amazing website platform that's very easy to update, I can't say enough good things about Folio HD. I've been sitting here talking about it for like 40 minutes. So uh, if you want a cool website, I highly recommend Folio HD. And they have all kinds of things like you can like you can set your own domain name, which you do in the paid version, which is what I did. They also have an integration thing. So if you're selling like if you're a landscape uh, photographer and you want to sell your prints, they actually have another company that you can literally embed their code. So when somebody clicks on one of your photos, they can order it directly. Now, that thing is another nine ninety nine a month. And I used it for a couple of months, maybe four months, and then I got rid of it. Or I just, I didn't use it because I'm not selling that many prints off my website. It's just mostly for display. So I quit paying that. But, uh, you know, it's it's an option. It's there if you want it. And it's very easy to do. It's very easy to integrate into your site. So if somebody clicks on a photo of yours, they like it. They can literally just order the print, order the canvas, order whatever they want. So, Anyway, I'm going to uh, wrap it up on the Folio HD, but if you uh, want an amazing website that looks exactly like mine, check out Folio HD. Oh, uh, the last thing with Folio HD is they also do video. You can also uh, have a video gallery on uh, Folio HD, and you don't have to upload the videos. You can have your videos uploaded to YouTube, and all you do is embed the link, and it puts the video right there on your website. So, And you can make uh, your opener a video. So you could uh, do a complete intro video intro. And when somebody went to your website, that's what they would see would be your video uh, intro. So I can't say enough nice things about Folio HD. So check out my website, ravholly.com. And if you like it, go to foliohd.com. That's F-O-L-I-O-H-D.com. Okay, let's move on to the next order of business, which is going to be... Okay, I got some email about episode seven where I was talking about shooting raw and shooting JPEG. And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it, but I'm just going to tell you that I stand by what I said. Um, There's lots of benefits to shooting raw. Yes, you get a lot more data. Uh, I can't tell you all the technical aspects of it off the the top of my head right now, but I think a JPEG is like 14 bit or something like that. And a in raw, you get a 16 bit file. Uh, so you just get more information uh, shooting a raw file. I understand that. Uh, and if you, if your exposure's off, you really do need that extra data. So you can go into like camera raw and you can adjust your exposure. And if you shoot JPEG, you're going to lose that. I completely understand that. So, you know, uh, I got some email with people like literally throwing a fit you know, telling me I didn't know what the hell I was doing. If I'm a photographer and I'm shooting in JPEG, blah, blah, blah. Uh, what kind of misinformation am I giving out there? 
Well, you know, it's not really misinformation because like I just did a headshot session and I shot them all in raw just for, you know, just to be on the safe side. Uh, because if you're shooting paid work for a client, I do believe you should probably shoot in raw unless they, unless they want, uh, you know, or they require JPEG. Uh, but I shot all of them in raw and I've opened them up and the exposures are spot on. I did it, you know, in a studio setting. So there wasn't a whole lot of guesswork uh, on exposure. So the exposures are spot on. So it's just a little bit of color correction. Uh, I did a custom white balance on my camera, but it's still a little bit red. So I'm going to do a little bit of color correction, but exposure is pretty much spot on. There was a couple of them, or there was a few, maybe 15 that were a little uh, hot, blown out, uh, a little overexposed, but most of them were just really spot on on exposure. So it's just a lot of added work, you know what I mean? And then um, the client's manager, she wants the photos <clears throat> that she can look at. Well, so I email her, do you have a camera raw? Do you have anything where you can open a raw file? No, of course she doesn't. So what do I do? I have to, uh, you know, I shot with, I actually could have shot two cards, one with JPEG and one with raw. And that's probably what I should have done. Uh, cause I shot those with, uh, my seven D 7,000 instead of my 700. And, uh, so I should have done that, but I didn't, I only shot with one card and the other card is a, is a overflow. Uh, so I had two 16 gigabyte cards in my camera and I should have shot one raw and one JPEG and it would have saved me a lot of time. Because, well, I mean, it's not that much time. Basically you got to go into Photoshop and you just got to do a conversion and convert all those raw, raw files to JPEG so I could put them all in a Dropbox, send them to her. Or she could get the Dropbox and she could open them. So that's a lot of added work to your workflow. And if I had just shot one card with JPEG and I had the JPEGs, I could have just dropped the JPEGs directly in the Dropbox and sent them directly to her. And that's what I should have done. But anyway, hindsight's 2020. But for, uh, excuse me, I'm not going to mention any names, but the people, the three people that sent me emails that were uh, blasting me, basically, I'm not going to say who it was or give any names, but they were blasting me that I shouldn't be telling any young photographers that you can shoot in JPEG and not shoot in RAW. I still don't believe that. Uh, nope. I think uh, a lot of young Photographers are going to sh- start out in JPEG because they don't understand RAW. They don't understand camera RAW. They don't know how to open RAW files. Um, I do think you need to learn so you can handle RAW files, but I think RAW files add a lot of extra work to your workflow. And if you shoot a lot, uh, like I do, I shoot a lot of paid work, and my paid work usually RAW files, all of my own personal projects. A lot of times I'm shooting in JPEG. So do whatever you want to do. Um, it's basically up to you, but, uh, I still stand beside what I, I still stand by what I said in episode seven. If you want to shoot JPEG, shoot JPEG. I think the JPEGs these days pretty much are, if you know how to expose a picture and you can get your exposure, right, you're going to be fine with your JPEGs. If you don't know how to expose a picture, you probably should be shooting in raw because you have a lot more um, safety mechanism there to be able to bring the exposure back in camera raw that you lose by just shooting a JPEG. You lose all that information. So that's it. That's all I'm going to say about JPEG and raw. 
do what you want to do. It's your camera, man. Set it the way you want to. I'm just telling you that I think you can save a lot of time <clears throat> if you don't necessarily have to shoot in raw. Uh, let's see. What was the... Oh, shooting in the dark. I got uh email from somebody asking me, well, they listened to the show, episode eight, shooting the wedding in the dark but I didn't give any information about what we were doing shooting in the dark. So let me touch base on that really quick. I did not know this wedding was going to be in the dark, dark, dark. Uh, I knew it was going to be dark. Uh, it's ca- Southern California, the time change. So I knew we, I looked at my uh, app or my, my uh, iPhone and uh, it told me what time sunset was going to be. So I had a good idea that it was going to be pretty dark. What I didn't realize or what I just took for granted that, you know, this is a wedding venue. They do a lot of weddings. They do a lot of weddings in this time of year. So I figured that they would uh, set up plenty of lighting uh, for the ceremony. I figured there would be plenty of light to light the ceremony. And I could not have been more mistaken. There was basically no light. It was pitch black dark. Um I mean, you could see everybody, but for to get your camera to focus was next to impossible. Um, what I will say is if I didn't know how to operate my camera on manual mode, I would have been up the creek without a paddle because uh, I actually went a couple of times to uh, auto mode just to see what my camera would choose for the exposure and it was giving me like a one fifteenth of a second, one twentieth of a second. So literally, I got stuck there because I hit the shutter button. I got stuck there one time waiting for fifteen seconds. And if you're shooting a wedding, fifteen seconds is a long time. So, you know, uh, shooting auto would just not have cut it. So what I did, let me give you really quick what I did. I try. I didn't want to use a flash. Because that you lose, you know, anybody knows you lose that artistic, you lose that artistic touch when you start using a flash when you're doing photography. And uh, so you use fast lenses and I had a 50 millimeter 1.8 on one at 70 to, I mean a 24 to 72.8 on another camera. And I really didn't want to use a flash, but it was just too dark. I had to use a flash and, uh, so what I did was I was shooting with a D700 and uh, a D7000 as a backup, which are both pretty good at low light. And then Jung was uh, shooting with his D700, and so we both pushed our ISO up to 5000. I know if this would have been like 2004, forget it. It just would not have worked. Uh, we would have been screwed. But luckily, um, at, fi- at ISO 5000, with a flash, uh, you get pretty good photos and they're not, I mean, now don't get me wrong. These, you know, they're not pristine, uh, but they work, you know, they, they do work and they're actually pretty good. And then, you know, I went to my speed light, my, uh, SB 600 and the, all the photos of the, the dance and, you know, the, 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 everything that happened after the ceremony was great. So my camera settings to, to touch base really quick was, uh, <clears throat> I went to, um, uh, let's see, ISO 5000 
and I was at one one hundredth of a second uh, with a twenty four to seventy at set at two point eight on the aperture. So that was basically my camera settings, and I was using a flash. Uh, it's an icon flash, so it was in TTL mode, so it basically just communicates with the camera. So it will kind of adjust itself, and uh, it's the metering system on the flash, and got some great photos afterwards. But initially, during the ceremony, I tried to go with no flash, and I literally had to push down to one sixtieth of a second, one eightieth of a second. <coughs> Anytime I get below one one hundredth of a second. I get worried about uh, blurry pictures because if you're not on a tripod, if you don't have your camera on sticks, uh, and you're hand-holding, any camera shake will give you blurry images uh, because, uh, you know, it's just the shutter speed's too slow. So anytime I get below one one-hundredth of a second, I want to have my camera on the tripod. And shooting a wedding and in the place I was, that wasn't possible. So those were my camera settings. Once we put, once I put my uh, flash on the camera, I got really good photos. So that's going to end. Uh, I hope that answers your questions um, for uh, Jenny that sent me the email asking me about uh, what, how would you go about shooting a wedding in the dark? That's kind of what we did. And I put Jung back on a tripod, put him at a very slow shutter speed with 5,000 ISO to try to get some far away distance shots. So uh, with his 80 to 200 millimeter 2.8. So that's kind of the way we handled it. It wasn't perfect. Uh, From a scale from uh, 1 to 100, where do I think we got? We got about a 76, 78, I would say. for what we had to work with, you know, a perfect or a perfect 10, you know, we got about a 76 or a 7.6 on a one to 10 scale. I think we did pretty good. Uh, I'm really happy with the results results after looking at the images. I will say I was terrified to look at the images, but they all came out pretty good. So let's move on to our next order of business, which is uh, talking again about Arthur St. John, who's a brilliant, brilliant Southern California photographer does a lot of uh, casting for music videos. He does a lot of things and um, he's just a really nice guy. And uh, it broke my heart for him to see his status update on uh, Facebook the other day, about four days ago, maybe a week ago. And uh, he basically said he walked outside and uh, he just felt like he was in a bad dream because somebody had broken into his car and stole his camera and all of his gear. So, That is my point, people. I'm going to tell you right now, I've known so many people, like when I lost my gear, it was in a building. They broke into a building, they broke into my gallery and our office twice and stole all kinds of camera gear. Uh, I've still not replaced it all. I had a brand new MacBook Pro at the time and uh, the second time they broke in, it was my birthday and uh, they broke in and stole my MacBook Pro. And uh, D700 I had that I've replaced since, finally. Um, you know, and, and it's it's a miserable thing to lose gear when people steal it. You know what I mean? So if you can afford insurance on your gear, if, you, if you've if you got high-end gear, you know, if, you, if you've just got like a little Canon Rebel or, you know, maybe a Nikon D5100, like I have one, you know, if that's all you have, maybe not the insurance. But if you can afford the insurance, get the insurance. But 
the moral of this story is don't leave your gear in the damn car. My video partner, Corey, he lost like $30,000 with the video gear. Video gear, which is much more expensive than photography gear. Um, they broke into his car. He left it in the car. He came home from a shoot one night. He was tired, pulled up in the drive at the house, left the car and didn't unload it and come out the next morning and it was all gone. I've known so many, excuse me, I've known so many photographers and videographers that have lost their, um, they've lost their gear by leaving it in the car. So please people do not leave your gear in the car. I know I've done it too. I've come home. I'm tired. I worked all day. I did a photo shoot. I set up. I tore down. I was stressed because of the photo shoot and I'm just exhausted when I get home. Don't do it. Do not leave your gear in the car because you may come back the next day and it may be all gone and it's just not worth it. Uh, Man up, lady up, unload the gear, get it out of the car or get somebody to unload it for you, but don't leave it in the car. All right, so let's see. The next order of business, I'm going to talk a little bit really quick. We only got a few minutes left here, so it doesn't look like we're going to get to... Uh, I'm, going to I'm going to make it real quick on both these points. Uh, number, the last point is, the last two points, <clears throat> second to the last is Facebook business pages. Uh, yeah, I've got a couple of inquiries about them. People ask me why I don't update mine very much anymore. This is, in a nutshell, really quick, why I don't. The new algorithm that Facebook has launched in the last year or six months or whatever for the business pages, they did a redesign. The redesign is much nicer. It works very nice. The problem is, is they don't want people to be able to use those pages for free. They want you to pay for their advertising. So, you know, the algorithm now, nobody's seeing it. You post on your business page, unless if you have a personal page and a business page, you're not going to get a lot of hits on your business page uh, unless you're paying for their advertisement. So your reach will get out there. That's what they want. That's why there, you know, there's a lot of people like a, a friend of mine that I've met personally and, you know, done a couple of things with him is gig boss. He's really popular on Facebook because he books a lot of bands at uh, house of blues and Hollywood house of blues and Anaheim. And that's what he is as a music. <clears throat> he books people. So his personal Facebook page was gig boss. Well, in the last week, Facebook has started, uh, locking people out of their Facebook pages, uh, that are using professional moniker names. There's been a lot of dancers, porn stars, uh, industry people that have a professional moniker name and they're being locked out of their Facebook pages. And, uh, because Facebook wants you, if you're a professional person and, uh, you're a celebrity or a public figure or whatever, they want you to use your business or fan page because they want you to buy advertising so you can, uh, you know, reach the people that you want to reach. They want you to have that one page. And then have a personal page under your real name. So a lot of people were using their personal pages with their stage names and Facebook has started locking you out. But with me, I don't use my business page that much because I don't want to pay for their advertising. I've paid for some of their advertising and it's pretty much useless. So, um, 
that's why people, uh, if you're asking me why I'm not posting all the time on my business page anymore, that's the reason because it's pretty much worthless. Their business pages today are pretty much worthless. And a lot of the, you know, the ads that you buy and stuff and, you know, if you buy and their ads is, it's, it's all, uh, it's fake. You know what I mean? A lot of the advertisement is fake. They're advertising to people that in different countries and stuff that have, you know, nothing to do with who you want to reach or who you want to be your client base. So the Facebook page, the fan pages, they're pretty much useless unless, unless you have a huge following of thousands of people, then it's, it could really come in handy for you. You know what I mean? If you have, you know, I've got like 3,500 friends on Facebook or the people that follow me or whatever on my personal page. But if, uh, you know, if you, it, it tops out on a personal page, like at 5,000 people. So that's when a fan page or a professional page can really come in handy for you. But they're a real pain in the butt right now to manage because you're not going to get, uh, your algorithm, our algorithm restricts how many people are going to see your posts. So that's, uh, that's a quick thing on the Facebook fan pages. I'm not a big fan of Facebook's fan pages or their business pages anymore. I think they're kind of a scam, actually. So that's why I'm not using mine. In the last order of business on this week's show is I was in Ask Your Photographers the other day, and I seen a girl post a post. Uh, she got uh, a client uh, that she had done. Oh, what is that? I don't know the thing that these mother, these, uh, the women photographers are doing, it's the little, uh, promo thing that they all do. The, the little special, I can't remember the name of it. They all call it something. It's like, uh, oh gosh, I can't think what they call it, but it's this little special that all the women that do like family portraiture and children's pictures and stuff like that. They have this little special that they offer and it, you know, it, uh, gives an incentive to get people to, you know, to, to sign up and get some photography from them. And this girl, uh, basically posted some pictures and the girl, the, the client sent her an email and said, I look horrible. Uh, I look very uncomfortable. I don't look natural. I don't like the pictures. And, um, uh, so she posted them, the two examples and, the whole group just swooned over how great her pictures were and how, what an idiot that the customer was. And it was all the lady's fault. She was insecure with her body. And, you know, it was all, it was all her fault, of course. Toward looking at the pictures, I didn't give her any critique and you can do that. And supposedly, and ask my photographers, but I just didn't think it was the proper place because I don't know. I just didn't want to open a can of worms, but like the, her hand positioning in one of the photos was really bad. She had really wide fingers. And so it was a bad, it was bad finger positioning. There was some problems. And then the other post was a family photo on, uh, the shore of a lake and her eyes, like one eye would look bigger than the other one. So there was definitely a, a few problems with the photos. They weren't, they weren't perfect. And, um, I, made a post asking her, I said, well, did you let her pick out the photos? And she goes, Oh no, this was a so-and-so special. I never let the clients look at the photos. Let me tell you something. If you never let your clients look through the photos and pick out the photos that they want and are for you to edit, you're shooting yourself in the foot 
because I can tell you a hundred times out of a hundred times I've sat down with clients for as long as I've been doing this, 15 years at least, and I can pick out three, three to five photos that I like and the client will pick out three to five photos that they like. And if we do it separately, they're very seldom ever the same photos. So this girl's picking out photos that she likes, and there may be photos the client would like, but she's not even letting the client see all the photos to pick out the ones she likes. So, you know, I remember back in the Olin Mills days, they were notorious for that. And basically you would go into their uh, portraiture, you know, for your family portraits to Olin Mills, and they would take all your photos, and then you would go back like a week later, and then they would have maybe five to seven of them displayed up there for you to pick out the ones you wanted to order copies of, <clears throat> but you just got what they gave you. And I believe in this day and time with digital, you really should be able to let your clients look at the photos. If you take a hundred photos, let them look at all hundred of them and pick the ones that they want. That's my advice to you. And that's what I, that's what I do. I mean, seriously, this girl, uh, the photographer girl, you know, from Sacramento's crying the blues about this lady's hating her pictures and should she schedule a reshoot, blah, 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 blah. No, you should just go let her look at all of the pictures. There might be some in there that she actually likes. Now, of course, some clients are just going to be a pain in the butt and they're doing it just to be a pain in the butt. You know what I mean? Or they're just, they are, you know, they have self-confidence issues and they have issues with themselves, but you know. There might have been pictures in there that she liked that you didn't let her look at. So uh, my, you know, the way I do it is, you know, the way I do it. If I can give the client now, sometimes photos are kills. When I go through them, I look at all of them before the client sees all of them. And if they're technically bad, if I did something wrong, if one of my strobes didn't go off, you know, if there's if there's something, you know, or. Um, you know, she was looking cross-eyed or, you know, the model's looking cross-eyed or clients looking cross-eyed or whatever, you know, those are kills. I just kill those immediately and they never get to the client. But once all of the technical, uh, the technical correct photos are done, I color correct them, whatever. But before I do any major edit editing to them, I let the client see them, let them pick out the numbers that they want edited, and I edit the ones that they love. So, not the ones I love. I mean, I will I will let them pick out the maybe five that they like to get edited, <clears throat> and then there may be three or four of my favorite pictures, maybe completely two or three different ones. So, if you're not letting the clients look at all your photos that you've taken, you know, I mean, like I said, if some of them are bad, just kill them. If you did something wrong, the exposure's wrong, you can't bring it back. One of your strobes didn't go off. Uh, you know, some pictures are just going to be bad. Those are, to me, are kills. I, when I upload the photos, I run through them really quick and I photo and I kill, 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 kill all the bad ones. If there's any bad ones, I just delete them immediately and they're gone from the database forever. So, but if they're good, I pick out all the good ones. I mean, I leave all the good ones, however many there are, and I put them together and then I show the client. I'll sit down with the client. We'll go through them. 
will write all the numbers down that they like, and then I'll give them their five edits or 10 edits or whatever they pay for. And then if they pay for extra edits because they like more of them, I do that as well. So, I mean, I think that's the way to do it. But, you know, uh, that's just the way I do it. That's the way it works for me. But I've never, to this day, never had a situation like this girl had. I did a wedding one time. The groom come back at me and said he didn't think their pictures were as good as what they thought they were going to be, I guess. But they got a bunch of good pictures and a good wedding album. But, you know, somebody evidently probably got with them afterwards and probably trashed me or whatever. But I've never had anybody just come back and go, yeah, I don't like those pictures at all. So, you know, that's something to think about. But I want the clients to be happy. Whatever I can do, you know, it's that old adage, the client's always right or the customer's always right. So I want the customer to get the pictures they love, not the pictures I love. They may not even like the pictures I like. I mean, it's, it's the way it goes. So if you can let your clients look at the pictures, I advise you to let them look at the pictures. So anyway, man, that's an hour. Blew by. I got a lot to... I, once it, it takes me a minute to get talking, but once I do, man, I cannot shut up. So, uh, I'm glad we've uh, moved the podcast to Podbean because we're going on an hour and eight minutes and 30 seconds. So this is going to be the longest podcast to date. And I actually kind of planned on wrapping this one up early at about maybe 45 minutes. So, uh, I hope you've enjoyed the show. I was kind of rambling. I love it that we're on Podbean now. I can just upload this bitch and I ain't got to worry about going over my time. Like uh, the old at, at Lipson, if I got to a minute and 30, I was like, I'm a minute and three minutes. I was like, oh no, no, I got to start wrapping this up. Now I can just keep it going and I ain't even got to worry about it. It just takes a little bit longer to uh, render and get loaded, but shh, hey, I'm not even worried about that. I don't have to worry about the, you know, how much space I use or what. So, hey. It's all good in the hood. So anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Images Everything. Again, uh, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I'm trying to get some guests on here uh, that don't have to come all the way out to Joshua Tree uh, to the desert compound. So I'm trying to get a call-in thing. So I set up a Skype, and uh, my Skype on my iMac works flawlessly. Uh and uh, sounds great, and I've moved it over to my PC laptop since I've never replaced my stolen iMac, or my uh, stolen MacBook Pro, I'm sorry, my brand new 15-inch MacBook Pro that I had. Um, I've never replaced it, so I still have like an old, well, it's a Dell XPS uh, M1530, which was the top-of-the-line Dell that you could buy like in 2007, I think, or eight somewhere in there. But it's pretty antiquated now, but I'm using it just for the podcast. So it's dedicated just for the podcast. But it just doesn't sound as well. It's a little glitchy. It's got a little reverb. So I'm looking at hopefully getting a new MacBook here pretty quick. And I'm going to dedicate the new MacBook to the uh, podcast. But I uh, downloaded, 
a call recorder for my Skype on the PC and uh, I've did some test calls and there's nothing but noise and feedback and stuff that you just don't want in your podcast. So I'm trying to figure out how to get this recording going uh, where it sounds professional. It sounds good. I know there's some recall recorders apps that you can download for your iPhone that you can pay for. So I may just do that. But if you have something that you're using, uh, if you, if you have a podcast, I know some of you may be listening to this that have a podcast of your own. So if you have a podcast and you're using something for your call, your guest to call in, let me know what it is. Uh, I'd love to know. So, uh, I could use it as well. Cause I'm actually been struggling a little bit. I mean, it shouldn't be this hard, but, uh, you know, I've spent a lot of time. I spent a few hours trying to get this thing set up for the Skype and downloaded this call recorder for Skype and everything. I do the test calls. It comes, it works, but man, it's just all kinds of like interference noise and everything that's in the call and stuff that you don't want in your audio. So, uh, I don't know. I may go with the uh, call recorder for the iPhone. So you know, as soon as somebody calls, I can just record our conversation, but I kind of wanted to be able to use my professional grade mic and talk to people through the, through my actual microphone that you're listening through. You're listening to me here. That's why I wanted to go with a Skype because I can actually talk through the Skype, but it just doesn't sound good. I don't know if it's clipping because the audio is too high. I've kind of thought that, you know, maybe that was the problem, but I'm just not sure. But hopefully I'll get it figured out by next episode. So uh, in the in the future, we're going to be doing some call in. Uh, I have Melissa Jean. Uh, she's interested. I've already talked to her. Uh, probably she's going to be one of the next guests. Uh, she's busy right now. She just flew into Phoenix when I talked to her the other day and I have to email her back. But I shot with her about four years ago, I guess. And she is a Playboy cover model. Uh, which is not a Playboy Playmate. Um, if you don't know what a cover model is, Playboy has a bunch of uh, side magazines. Uh, the girls of, you know, uh, call, uh, Playmate or Playgirl, Playboy College Girls, and in different genres. And she was on the cover of one of those magazines uh, that wasn't actually a monthly issue. It was one of the side magazines, but she was a cover model. Um, and her name's Melissa Jean and she's still a traveling model. And when I met her, she was, uh, she was living in South Florida, I think Miami. And now she's moved up to New York and I just basically got back in touch with her on Instagram and we've been emailing each other a little bit. So hopefully, uh, I'll have her on the show either next show, next episode or the one afterwards after the. After the holidays, people are busy with the holidays, so I don't know exactly how it's going to work, but hopefully as soon as we can, we're going to get you another guest on here so you don't just have to listen to me ramble on and on and on, which I'm sure you're getting sick of by now. That's two episodes in a row with no guest. Three. I think this is three episodes with just me, so hopefully we'll have a guest on uh, next week or the week after, and we got some new professional intros and drops and stuff being uh, produced so hopefully the podcast is going to be sounding a little bit better uh, in the future another thing i wanted to say is <clears throat> i'm really disappointed when we moved from lipson that um uh, i couldn't bring my stats with me to uh, podbean i lost this that was the only downfall uh we had had 233 downloads on lipson which isn't very much 
Uh, it's picked way up since we've moved to Podbean. We're already over 400. We're right at 400. I think we were at 400 the last time I checked. So basically 400 plus 2 is 633. So, but we'll always have lost 233 download listens uh, because those stats stayed with Lipson. So that was the only drawback of moving the podcast over to Podbean was losing our stats from Lipson. I was hoping that they would automatically transfer over. It just doesn't work like that. So I wish I would have started on Podbean to begin with and we would have uh, we wouldn't have lost those 233 downloads and our number would have been uh what it should be, which is legitimately, you know, 633 instead of just 400. But all the benefits to moving to Podbean, I'm not going to complain about it. So anyway, we've run 15 minutes over now, so I'm going to shut up and get off here. And uh, we will see you back here next week. Same bat channel, same bat time. I mean, wait a minute, wait a minute. Same rap channel, same rap time. I uh, hope you've enjoyed the show. And uh We'll see you guys next week. Hopefully we'll be on time next week. Uh, we'll be uh, Thursday. I didn't really explain that too much, but I've been swamped. I did two weddings. I've done two weddings this month of November. I did a very uh, high-end ad campaign, which I didn't have anything to e- to edit there because I wasn't the primary shooter. So there was no editing there. That was just going, doing the job. And if I could do that, man, I would be in heaven because that was a one probably the best photography gig I've ever had. It didn't pay me the most. It paid me a lot, but it didn't pay me the most. But for what I did, it was, ugh, it was amazing. I showed up on location. They paid for everything. They paid for my, uh, they paid for my expenses to get there. They paid for everything. And then I got amazing pay payday and I can be happier. Now, the one thing I will say is, uh, Working for yourself, for those of us that work for your, for ourselves, I should say that I'm living in squalor right now because um, I I have a limited budget. I went and bought like $85 worth of groceries last night for the next week, week and a half, but I literally have not very much money to my name, but I have thousands of dollars that are billed, so I'm just waiting on some of this stuff to come in. I have a little bit of savings, and don't get me wrong, but I don't mess with that because I just pretend that that money doesn't exist. But, uh, you know, for my to live on, which is what I, you know, what I used to live on, so I'm waiting, I've billed out. And, you know, that's the problem with working for yourself. That's one of the big major drawbacks. When you work for somebody and you have a a regular nine to five job, you know that you can go to that job and you're going to get paid on Friday uh, at five o'clock and you'll go to the bank and you'll deposit your check. So you know what you're going to make a month, you know how much you can spend. And when you work for yourself like I do, it just doesn't work like that. And there's months where I make... like maybe $800 a month. And then there's months that I make seven or $8,000 a month. And the problem I've had to learn is, you know, there's been a few months where I've made seven or 8,000 a few months in a row and I overspend. And uh, then when things get slow, then things get tight. So I've learned to minimize and uh, try not to overspend and just uh, stretch things out, put money, save money is my main priority, my main goal. 
and uh, just keep moving forward. So hopefully, got my fingers crossed, Thanksgiving is coming up next week, or gosh, like three days, Uh, you know, and hopefully I'll get one of those big checks in before the holidays head anyway, uh, because I still have a couple of people I have to pay, Uh, my good friend Jung, uh, the wedding that he helped me shoot, uh, I haven't paid him yet because I'm waiting to get paid for the wedding, but I'm going to go ahead and pay him before that as soon as I have this other check for the ad campaign come in. So anyway, the pains of working for yourself, but if you do things right and, uh, you, uh, take yourself and put yourself kind of in a minimalist, uh, living a minimalist lifestyle like I have now, it's not that big a deal. Just make uh, what you have stretch. So uh, anyway, I'm going to uh, sign off now and uh, we will see you back here next week. Have a great day, guys.